Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, and welcome to Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast. I'm Ben Eshmade, and this week we time travel to February 2017 to listen again to a series of interviews with a team of collaborators who brought three-dimensional Japanese vocaloid singer Hatsune Miku to the Barbican Hall. Uh, in short, I guess I'd describe Hatsune Miku as a kind of super kawaii virtual pop star sensation from Japan. Following an idea initiated by artist Mari Matsutoya, Still Be Here is a project collectively created with music producer Laurel Halo, choreographer and visual artist Darren Johnston, virtual artist Laturbo Avedon, and finally visual artist Martin Seltzer. Uh, in a way, it's a scary concept for dancers and performers because Miku is able to do things that, of course, are not possible. Every line and curve that makes up the landscape of a body is collectively decided and made by fans for the fans. We speak to Mari and Darren about the project and we'll maybe even hear from Hatsune herself. How did you become aware of the virtual character and singer Hatsune Miku in the first place? So I had always been interested in the voice as a medium or a material. And I'd always had an interest in the recreation or the, the synthesis of it. Things like Bell Labs Voda of the 1930s or Euphonia from the 19th century, both inventions that mimic the human voice. Then I was also also interested in the soft power of the Japanese entertainment industry, like manga or pop. It's a government-endorsed idea, actually, of cool Japan, Kuru Japan, which is, in the end, a massive advertising campaign. But, yeah, Japan is very much aware of this image and feeds the world an ever-growing roster of strange and funny inventions. So they, they just lay back and watch as these products are hyped and consumed. So Hatsune Miku incorporated both of these interests of mine the project has given me a window into, I'd say, the deeper, stranger, almost obsessive side of pop culture and allowed me further insights into the psychology and phenomena of Miku as a pop sensation. Also, quite, yeah, gaining a bit more insight into her relevance in this kind of Japanese otaku world has allowed my mind to wander. What fascinates me about her is her fluidity of form because she has a collective identity made up of fans and so her image is also made up by fans. So what is allowed and what is not allowed to be portrayed is largely decided by Krypton Future Media, the company who holds her Creative Commons licence. 
And then, of course, her fans as well. It's really interesting to see what they allow and what they don't. For instance, there was a version of her where she was pregnant. And also there was a furore when she was depicted wearing a wedding outfit where the fans went mental and asking the question, who is she getting married to? So every line and curve that makes up the landscape of her body is collectively decided and made by fans for the fans. The Vocaloid software, which the image is supposed to endorse, can't be controlled. This is because the software is bought and once it reaches the consumer, they can do whatever they like with it. So she can be made to sing nasty lyrics, explicit lyrics or politically motivated lyrics, for example. But this is out of the company's hands. Yeah, it might be followed up by YouTube or the respective sort of publishing platforms, but the company can't control this. So I think these two kind of planes interacting are quite interesting to me. Once you had the initial idea for the project, how did you choose the team of collaborators? Um, I had a list of possible artists. I met Laurel through CTM and she was really enthusiastic about Japanese culture and I liked her music and some of the vocal tracks I especially liked and I thought they were really cool. Le Turbo was contacted through Transmediala and she was especially relevant due to her own identity as a virtual figure. To this day, none of us, none of the team know who she really is, whether it's even a he or a she, but we always just communicate through Skype. She saw Hatsunimika as a fellow virtual being. I thought this would also be a useful insight in the project. Um, my role in the creation has been quite broad, actually. We approach this project as a collective and so have all been quite instrumental in the dis- different aspects of bringing it together. I-, I personally worked as a choreographer, but also contributed a lot to the structure narrative and also some of the ideas for the visual aspects. I also worked on the lighting design for the stage. And then Martin pulled everything together technically. And actually, we all had really long discussions and <laughs> to make sure that all of us would be represented equally and not just sort of designated to our own specialisations, let's say. Um, I think the fact that all of us come from very different backgrounds and are quite defined in what we do. So I I personally found the process quite liberating as we all had to come together as sort of one entity in the pursuit of realising Miku. Were you surprised that a virtual creation like this has gained so much fame and fascination? A few examples being her appearance on David Letterman or supporting Lady Gaga. I think there's always been this kind of fascination of the 
immortal pop figure. It's not really far off from how real life celebrity figures are portrayed anyway, whether it's sort of obsessively um, Botoxing or airbrushing away wrinkles. And apart from the gorillas, the other holographic stars have been kind of post-mortem. So like Michael Jackson or Tupac. Yeah, I think this is a natural progression to what we already see in the media. Why do you think this pop star has been created in such a young, attractive body? Is this unrealistic role model for those who have become her fans? Well, she has such a young and attractive body because this is what the illustrator, who happens to be male, and the company, who are also mostly male, think that fans, probably also mostly male, will be looking for. So... The whole point of her is that she's an advertising mascot to the Vocaloid software. So, yeah, this is just basically looking to sell. So she has to have a young and attractive body, or so it's thought. This is obviously seen as problematic, perhaps, from a feminist point of view. Of course, she's wearing a school uniform with a very short skirt and long pigtails. So, yeah, so it's very close to a sort of male wet dream. But there are girls and boys who dress up as Miku equally in cosplay, such as we encounter Rudolph, featured in the piece as well. And girls and boys who dress up as Miku often say they feel empowered by dressing up and becoming this other character, um, which is the whole point of cosplay. As long as empowerment occurs for the right reasons, I think this is fine. But of course, in Japan, it's seldom questioned. But then I think we have to critique the whole industry and culture because I think it goes way beyond just a few characters. It should start with these characters, but yeah. Taking one aspect of what you contributed, what are the challenges of creating movement for Hatsune? There were quite a lot of challenges, actually. I think initially the challenge was deciding which uh, technique we were going to use to create the movement. I wanted to, to have a very anime-style movement quality, but I also wanted to maintain details of articulation of human ability. I was quite drawn to the doll-like choreography of Carrie Pumyu Pumyu and J-pop choreography in general, then started drawing deeper into traditional Japanese dance, which as a form tells stories through the body. So I experimented with choreography that was doll-like, then literally motion captured the characteristics and also movement from my own body and another dancer. I presume you can do things that aren't possible in the real world. Uh, if so, is this liberating? Uh, in a way, it's a scary concept for dancers and performers because Miku is able to do things that, of course, are not possible in physical reality. For instance, she, she doesn't get tired. She can't complain. She never needs rest or sleep. And you're not limited by things like gravity. So technically, once you've captured the movement data, you're able to just keep working with the choreography and body pretty much endlessly. 
I was also drawn to the physical impossibilities choreographically like speed manipulation and things like achieving true stillness and isolation. Also, in a sense, you can create perfect reversals of movement. Then when it comes to the stage, I was also quite interested on how, how she can appear and disappear in physical space. Is there a journey in this piece, a story which you are helping to guide us through? Um, what should we expect from The Barbican Show? I think with my own work, I often try to steer away from um, linear stories as such and prefer to focus on concepts and how to evoke those ideas as an experience. I think we agreed collectively in the idea of merging forms. So you could say this piece is part performance, part documentary, part video installation, part music and so on. Therefore, I think how the audience interprets it is kind of open and I think can be seen more of an art project than a narrative piece or straight concert. Lastly, has uh, Hatsune Miku become real to you in this process? I think as soon as anyone has an idea of her and the mind, she already exists and is exerting her presence, but she can never be. Siegfried Selinski talked about sort of existing online and being offline. And I think that's quite a good portrayal of her existence. It's also possible to have emotions towards an existence like that. Um, we, we do it through books, we do it through other media as well. We portray a case like this in the piece as well. Well, oddly through the process, I guess I had a kind of close relationship with the character in the sense that a lot of the more, I'd say, existential movement patterns you see in the project come from my own body. So there were moments in the studio of me moving and seeing how my movement looks on her. From this, you could say at times I had to embody the character and at points become Miku alongside the other dancer I worked with. So in that sense, she became very real and I became her in order to achieve, I guess, authenticity. Uh, What's most amusing to me, which I guess a lot of people won't be aware of, is that her whole physical presence in this project and personality come from my own body and movement. And then the dance sequences I choreographed and captured from the body of a six foot four Japanese man.
Damari, Darren and Hatsun, who had a little cameo. I'm Ben Eshmade. Thanks for listening to this archive edition of Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast, here to inspire more people to discover and love the arts with weekly episodes of archive finds and theme series. Subscribe to Nothing Concrete on Acast, Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts. And if you can, leave us a review to help us get the word out. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.